A year ago today, the world watched as an angry mob clashed with police outside the Capitol building, inside the Capitol building. We saw images of people scaling the Capitol building, hanging off uh, railings inside and out, dressed in ridiculous costume. They were calling for people's heads. This was a blatant attack on democracy, and many thought it was a turning point in history, the start of the next civil war. Stephen Marsh is a Canadian novelist and a journalist. His latest book is called The Next Civil War Dispatches from the American Future. It's out now and it originated as an essay that was published in The Walrus back in 2018. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for holding on. I really appreciate your time today. Pleasure to be here, Kelly. So back in 2018, you were basically laying out scenarios that could lead to unrest in America. How far off were you from predicting the insurrection that occurred at the Capitol building a year ago today? Well, I mean, I literally had to keep throwing out chapters because they kept happening. Uh, you know, the I mean, not that I predicted the specific nature of that insurrection, of course, although it, it did not surprise me even a little bit when it happened. And um, I also knew that the moment it happened, that it would not be a wake up call and that it would, in fact, just inspire more events like it. That it was not going to be somehow you know, the political parties were going to say, like, hold on, our democracy's under threat, we got to get this under control, that it, it would just lead to more and more spiraling um, hatred. I have to be honest with you, I spent the day watching the insurrection live, and I felt as though I was w- witnessing one of the darkest days in America history. And I, mm-hmm. I waited for some unity between the two parties, especially, you know, in the in the days directly after the uh, the insurrection. I, I, I was waiting for this overt show of support for the seed of democracy, and it never came. But, you know, I guess that was foolish, because in the piece you wrote for The Atlantic, you highlighted the behavior of one senator, Josh Hawley, who was getting it yeah. yesterday on the eve of the anniversary. Can you talk about what he did and how that was so pivotal in, in predicting what was going to happen or what wasn't going to happen moving forward? Well, he raised his fist in support of the rioters who then he had to be secured from by police, who one of whom died. I mean, there is an inherent contradiction here among a certain group of uh, right-wing politicians in America, certainly. Uh, you know, the fact that they would not join in on the commission, on the January 6th commission, is way more damning than the riot itself, right? Because you, you have people in power who are in in the democratic seat of power who are not willing to defend uh, the democratic norms of the peaceful transition of power. And that's why, you know, you, you recent polls show that only 20% of Americans have faith in their electoral system, and 33% of them believe that violence is an appropriate way to react to the government. That's deeply unhealthy, and is what, I, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster, is what it is. Yeah, I also read that I think it's uh, half of Republicans uh, said that they would be unhappy if their children were to marry someone who supported the opposing party and a third oh, of Democrats. It's way Yeah, that's Hatfields and McCoy stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it, like, it, it literally is at the point where it transcends um, race. Like, it, uh, it, it's more of a marker that, like, people don't want, they, they, they don't want their children to marry Republicans or Democrats. They also won't hire Republicans or Democrats unless they are the same. Uh, like, so th- there's all these kind of metrics where, I mean, it is just extraordinary how much these two sides hate each other. They are, there is no unity. And, and every single issue just get from 
Oreo cookies to COVID uh, takes on a political dimension and, and an, as an identity marker, and it's just impossible to actually come to some kind of reasonable policy uh, or compromise. Mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of research on you, so I was reading a lot of the articles that you've been writing. And in The Guardian, you wrote a piece for The Guardian. It's titled, The The Next U.S. Civil War is Already Here. We Just Refuse to See It. Who's the we? America's allies? American citizens? Who? No, all of the above. I mean, I think uh, any, like, I, I think it's, you know, I mean, it, it, it has been extraordinary publishing and writing this book because, of course, I'm always faced with, like, aren't you being alarmist? And, you know, like, certainly before January 6th, I, w- I was like, you know, this is going to happen. And, uh, and it was very hard to get people to believe me, really, um, because, no, because nobody wants to believe it, right? Like, nobody wants to see what's right in front of their face. I remember bringing the manuscript to my publisher in New York, and I was walking across 6th Avenue, Avenue of the Americas, and Fox News is right there. And as I was sort of walking through towards my publisher, a fistfight broke out on the street between protesters and, and some Fox News people. And so I was like, literally, and, and then I hand the manuscript to my publisher. He said, well, do you think this is really going to happen? And I was like, I just literally saw a fistfight about this stuff outside your office. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's very hard to see. Right. It's very hard to face. What's is it very hard to see because it's everywhere? So it's out in plain sight. It's happening now on social media. It's happening on the streets. It's happening in uh, the seat of power. People actually think that a civil war would be a good idea. I mean, there are there are many, many people who believe like not at not, you know, tiny numbers of people, not 100 million people either, but a significant number of millions of Americans believe that a civil war would be a good thing. And then there's also just the, uh, you know, the trends that, uh, that, that, that sort of underlie this violence are very deep and they're very hard to see. And it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's Twitter account or will Donald Trump run in 2024? None of it matters because like the, the as the system becomes less legitimate, it, it, it increasingly party politics no ma- no longer matter. Ordinary people just no longer feel that government is legitimate, whoever is in power. Okay, then- you said that Trudeau, or the Trudeau, you said that Trump didn't, you know, it was just a symptom. He didn't, you know, start yeah. this. This started before. How far back does this go? This divide? Well, I mean, you could, there, there are many answers to that question. I mean, some people would say that the first civil war was never solved and that, uh, you know, didn't solve the problems that it attempted to solve and that the failure of reconstruction is when it really begins. But I mean, to me, on a much more clear level, it begins in 2008 with the housing crash and the failure of the surge in Iraq and the election of Barack Obama. And basically, um, for a huge number of Americans, the, the, a feeling that the basic promises of their country, opportunity, global power, um, and, and white dominance as well, are, were just all being stripped away and taken from mm-hmm. them. You also wrote, Canadians with any power at all have to predict what's going to happen in the United States. Figuring out what will happen there means uh, figuring out what we'll eventually face here. I think we're, we still like to sit here in a quiet smugness above the states, and I think we like to look down and say, well, we're nothing like them. So in your opinion, what mm-hmm. can we learn from the Capitol riots in the past 12 months that followed? Well, I mean, just to be clear, um, I don't think we're, we're better people than Americans, certainly. And I don't think, uh, you know, and I don't, I, I, I don't want to judge Americans at all harsh. Like I, I, but 
on the same time, our systems are much more in control. Like, I don't think we're like we. Nobody really in this country doubts the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. No, like, and certainly the, the conservative party in Canada is not going around trying to delegitimize, um, or, you know, institutions or to stop people from voting. Quite the opposite. They're out there hustling for votes all the time. So, you know, I, I think there's a tendency in our country to be like, well you know, aren't we just as bad? In this case, we, we really aren't as bad. What we need to think about is how this madness that is gripping them, this chaos that is overtaking them, is going to affect us. I mean, during the last civil war, that's when we became a country, right? That's when we confederated, because we were like, we have to protect ourselves from, you know, a possible invasion, and we need to identify a political identity quite quickly here. Mm-hmm. And so I think... I, I think the, the question that we're going to have to ask ourselves is how do we maintain solidarity, um, which I think we're actually doing a pretty good job of. You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't see a lot of the same hatred, or I, I see, you know, frankly, very little of the mm-hmm. same loathing that I see there here. Um, and, and so, but you know, it, it is going to be a real test for us, for sure. Stephen, I'd like to have you back another time. Uh, I'm out of time with you today, but I really appreciate you making some some time. Your new book is called The Next Civil War Dispatches from the American Future, and I think I might have to pick it up and have a read. I would uh, have me back when you do. All right, I will. Thank you very much. That's Stephen Marsh. He's a Canadian novelist and journalist.